Hi, this is Roger here. I hope this um, this CD that you're able to uh, listen to is going to bless you. Uh, as you know, this is going to be a recording uh, of what people would have been able to watch on Easter Sunday. We've realised that with much of uh, or some of the content being visual, that that's uh, going to seem a little bit uh, irrelevant for people just listening. So um, what we're planning on doing is, uh, where appropriate, um, you've got my voice again, uh, and I'm going to be speaking over to maybe read out some of the clips that are coming up on the screen uh, or to just actually uh, explain uh, what it is uh, that's going on on the screen that the, that you're not able to be privy to. But we hope that won't be too much of a distraction. Uh, hope that you'll be able to then hold together what the rest of the uh, the content is all about. And may it be that, uh, that God richly uh, blesses you um, over the time that you're listening to this. Um, and although you'll be receiving this, I'm sure, just after Easter, may it be that you know something of the power and peace of the risen Jesus in your own life. Coronavirus. Is there hope? This is just starting with the scene coming up to the church. And behind the doors of the church, there's myself waving frantically with little cards. And on those cards are saying, hello. And then the next one, it's me. I've been here since Sunday. No, not really. But it does feel like it anyway. But I'm not the only one. Adele, you better watch out. Hello, it's me. I'm in California dreaming about going out to eat. Just a burger with cheese. Or a shaken margarita, baby, that ribs from chilies. Hello, can you hear me? I am shouting out to neighbors who I used to like to see when we were outside and free. Is there something else to watch besides the news and finding Dory? The social distance between us and I'm freaking out. Hello from the inside. It's just me and myself and I. Then there's a picture of some matches. The one who stayed away saved all the rest. The matches that were all together have been burned out. Then there was a gap. Hi, my name's Roger, and I'm the pastor of the church here. Well, we all have valued the humour and creativity of people trying to put a smile on our faces when the news all around us has been so tragic. The struggle to stay inside and be cut off so that we can hope for something better. Today we're asking the question, coronavirus, is there hope? Well, without hope, it would be true to say that we're lost. For some of you, it's hard to maybe hang on to hope when things around look all so bleak. 
maybe financially, maybe fear of loved ones, maybe employment, maybe strained relationships, maybe even your own health. The God of the Bible is a God of hope who offers hope. But how does that work for a time like this? And how can we own that when the national death toll especially seems to be increasing at such an alarming rate? Well, the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We should rightly seek to enter into both of those emotions. Easter lends itself to that. More about that a little bit later. But for now, amidst the, some of the difficult stuff and some of the more positive stuff to put a smile on your face, go and watch a video clip that I hope will inspire you in the same way that it's inspired me. Let's take a look. I'll read out the words. The story of 2020. At the moment, we may feel stuck at home. But we are safe when we're at home. We might feel bored or sad that we can't see our friends. But we are living through history. How will you remember it? In 1665, during the plague pandemic, Isaac Newton was struck at home. During this time, he developed the theory of gravity. The best things come from having the time and the space to think and be creative. In years to come, your children will study the time of COVID-19. Maybe your grandchildren. They will learn how rainbows were a sign of hope. They will hear how people came together to cheer and clap the amazing people who saved lives and kept our country going. They will hear of a time when the world slowed down, polluted skies cleared and animals reclaimed the streets. A time when families spent time together playing and simply having fun. A time when we treasured our one walk a day. When people got to know their neighbours like never before where people came together to help those in need, often with a smile. A time when we realised the power of a hug. When seeing our friends and family meant seeing their faces just on the screen of a laptop. When school went online and parents became teachers. A time where the world went a little crazy and stockpiled even on toilet rolls. Stay at home. It has never been easier to save lives. Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. And that is why we call it the present. Really inspirational video that. Time now, I think, for our first song. So if you'd like to pause me or scroll down on the front page, or you may well, if you're clever, see a little eye icon in brackets in the uh, top right of your screen. This song is called This Is Amazing Grace. It's a powerful song which expresses so much about what we believe here. Hope that you're able to enter into the reality of these incredible words as we sing just now. If you don't want to bother with a song, that's okay. Just continue on and we'll continue our journey too. Well, I wonder then how it is that people are coping. I wonder if your week is a little bit like this. And that's a list of the seven days with everything crossed out other than the word day at the end. One of these people that's really putting yourself out with some incredibly demanding exercise. Here's someone that some of you are going to recognise. And the clip, unbeknown to him, was of Paul Farrell, who was doing some aerobic exercises and was caught on camera. He saw the funny side of this. enjoying dressing up. Here's a couple of friends of mine. I'd have to say they are seriously far from nuns. 
It's a couple called Rob and Paula who were doing their exercises dressed as nuns. One of those people who's struggling with not being able to get your hair cut. Now, obviously, that isn't, as I'm sure you'll appreciate, a problem for the likes of me, but for others, it is. And for one person in particular, this was a huge problem. Somebody dressed up with being covered Even from hair, top to toe. Have felt imprisoned and having to escape at any possible means. Check this out. This is some footage that was sent in from somebody abroad of a stair gate on top of a stair gate, but a child probably about 18 months being able to climb up and over both stair gates and then down again. Absolutely incredible footage. Recognise the music? I love that clip of the baby trying to escape. Now, the music to that clip, many of you would have recognised as being the classic Mission Impossible. Dun, dun, da, da, dun, da. What faces our own NHS right now may make you or them feel just like that. I hope that you're praying for them. That does make a difference. We're certainly appreciating what they do, probably more than ever before, as reality sinks in as to what they're really up against on a day-by-day basis. All for the likes of you and me. I want to show you three brief clips that have been taken from our news just this week that really seeks to bring home the reality in a way that I believe we probably all need to know, understand and appreciate. Parents, some of this stuff may well not be that easy for your your younger ones, but let's take a look as to what occurred this week within the confines of our NHS. From the moment of infection, five days might pass before it starts to show with the common symptoms of fever and coughing and of breathlessness. It could be 16 days before intensive care is needed by the most severe cases. And sometime after 23 days, patients will either recover or die. And then it may take a few more days to register their deaths. We do have to be patient. Hopefully by the time we come to June, we'll, numbers will have fallen uh, quite a lot and we can actually start thinking about relaxing social distancing and how we're going to manage that through the summer. Our staff really can't cope with it. You know, we've got huge number of nurses, doctors and physios and not all of them can deal with it so they can only spend a short time or not just any time. Um, it's not uncommon for some of our staff to have had panic attacks and just finding this so, so stressful. So you know, we've got to really support people. Some people just can't do it. Despite the possible risk to themselves, the medical staff carry on. 12-hour shifts, 60 hours a week are the norm. They worry about the patients, about each other, and about those they love. I think it's very hard on uh, our families. My kids are at home, my wife's homeschooling. It's easy in a way for me. I'm doing my job. I'm busy all day. They don't really know what what it's like here, whether we're bringing home uh, the virus. And they've just been amazing. Just let me the bible encourages us to bring all your requests to god so that's what we're going to do right now that in the midst of the darkness there might be indeed a glimmer of light and indeed of hope mark as part of the church here is going to lead us in a time of prayer thanks mark Let us pray. Father God, we want to bring to you this current situation with coronavirus. Help us to turn to you daily and remember that you are a God of goodness and a God of love who cares deeply for each one of us. We pray and lift to you those who work in the hospitals and our health care systems. We thank you for them and would ask that you would be close to them and keep them safe. We pray too for all our emergency services and those who are designated as key workers. We would again ask that you are close to them and that you would keep them safe. We pray too for our government and we pray too for our Prime Minister that he may be restored back to health. We would ask that the government be given vision and clarity over the next few days and weeks. 
And of course, Lord, we want to pray for those who have lost friends and family to this virus. We would ask that you be close to them. Lord, be especially close to those who have lost friends and family and were not able to say goodbye in the way that they would have wished to. And Lord, we pray too for those thousands of people who are currently affected by the virus. We pray that you would bring your health and your healing to them. And today, Lord, is Easter Sunday. It's a day for giving thanks and celebrating. We celebrate that you, Jesus, have risen and that you have smashed death. And that we can know your forgiveness and our hope in our lives because of this. We would ask that our lives will reflect the hope that you bring and that you will remain close to us and we will remain close to you. So, Lord, bless us now as we uh, continue to worship you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. We mentioned about rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. There's a permission and an encouragement for us to do both. So how can we be positive in the midst of what we're facing right now? Well, thankfully, even nursing staff have found a way. Just take a look at this clip as they seek to put a smile, maybe on their own faces, but certainly on ours. Now, you may well recognise the song as being the famous 80s classic by Sister Sledge. The video footage for this is featuring a whole corridor length of nurses strutting their stuff and doing their own uh, dance moves that is picked up on camera so that they can put a smile online on uh, social media to people that are watching. Good on our NHS and good on the nursing staff for that. For others, it may well be about making your own entertainment at home. One thing we have seen during the lockdown in the last couple of weeks is the ways families have been coming up with uh, creative ways to get their sporting fix. And the Wybrow household have decided to find a pretty unique way to recreate the drama of Great Britain's success. Ash, you guessed it, Olympic Cutting. This footage was about a family playing curling in their kitchen. There's a young lad of probably two years of age there with his, his brush and broomstick. Dad was then doing the commentary and all their cuddly toys were around uh, all uh, decking out the entire kitchen to act as the crowd. And this is the Abayanan family from Jordan. They're all professional table tennis players and using it uh, on any surface they can find to keep practicing. Wow. But isn't Easter surely a time for family visits? Well, I was thinking that one through, and how could I then see my own son whilst remaining isolated? A trip to Tesco's provided that opportunity. We would need a milk, so I needed to go out. So this is me seizing that opportunity for a family visit, maybe with a difference. Take a look. This is my son, Steve, who's videoing his, himself, unbeknown to me, walking out of his flat to get down to the roadside at Cornwall Road, knowing that I was just about to drive past. <laughs> Here comes Dad. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks to my son for recording that. Uh, we really did appreciate our family uh, visit, as you can uh, tell. Well, there's been the very sad that we've seen on our news screens that's maybe broken us. There's also been the really good news stories that's thrilled us. How do those two extremes fit with an Easter message? Well, perfectly, in fact. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John each give their own angle of those scenes of that first Easter account. But we're only going to read a few verses. We've only got time for a few uh, short verses. But see if you can detect the opposite extremes going on from the really sad to the incredibly exciting and positive news. 
Following our reading, this will be read to us by James, who's a busy consultant right now at DCH. Our Ministry of Puppets are once again, but without any props at home because they are self-isolating, going to hopefully seek to lift our spirits. But first, this is James reading God's Word to us. So the first reading is from Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 44. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. Now Matthew 28, starting at verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now John chapter 20, starting at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now this is a Lenny Kravitz number, rewritten lyrics. Not too sure how we're going to get the visuals across here, but this is our puppet. So thank you once again to Andrew and Adam and Clan for piecing this together from their very own home.
just love those puppets. They're fantastic, aren't they? Okay. I wonder if you see those two extremes at Easter. Jesus died a cruel and unjust death. But the Bible tells us that on the third day, he came back to life. And millions believe that. It's a bit like the sad and the glad that we see daily amidst the COVID-19 crisis. Of course, when we think of the Jesus thing, at first glance, we can be forgiven for thinking that, well, dead people just don't come back to life. That would be a fair uh, initial analysis. But we're not talking about a normal person here when we consider Jesus. And if we really do wish to be rational, then we ought to really take seriously what's been written about him. There is, in fact, more evidence to say that Jesus came back to life than there is that Julius Caesar even existed. It's interesting within education what gets taught as fact and what gets taught as some people believe that. So here's why we take seriously that claim. And then in a bit we'll have a think about what that means for us as we ask that question about whether or not there can be indeed hope. So seven reasons as to why maybe there's evidence why we ought to take seriously the fact of Jesus having come back from the grave. Firstly, he even predicted his resurrection. Now, even though his followers at the time didn't really understand what he was telling them, they remembered his words and they recorded them. We're lucky in that sense because we can read them for ourselves. Any of us can. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're all there in the Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament. Now, any of us can predict that one day we're going to die. I could do that, and you wouldn't think that that'd be that clever. We can't really say that we're going to then come back to life. We certainly can't say that that's going to be then on the third day, which is what Jesus did. Secondly, there was no corpse, and the tomb we know is completely empty. Now, the opposition, all they had to do was produce a dead body to shut up those first Christians, but they couldn't. The Jews, well, they didn't like Jesus at all. So if they could find that body, that would have been brilliant. That would have then kind of shut the Christians up for good. The Roman soldiers, well, they would have loved to have laid their hands on a dead body because they actually let a corpse escape. That was bad news for them. They couldn't produce a body because there was none to be found. Thirdly, there was no shrine for Jesus Now, in his day, shrines were made and built, created for holy people who died and their bones were then placed within that shrine. But there was no shrine built for Jesus. Why? Well, because there was no bones to be found there um, because his body had been resurrected. Jesus would have certainly fit the criteria of being one of those incredible holy people that had an impact of his day. But no, there's never been a shrine ever found to his name. Fourthly, Jesus made numerous appearances to his followers. We heard about the Marys and there's Peter and John and others. At one time, we see in the Bible that Jesus was seen by more than 500 people, just in one hit. Now, some may argue that a few people could have agreed to a deception or even have been hallucinating. But how can you explain the collaboration of 500 people? Fifthly, the unrelenting faith of those disciples. Well, that's what convinces me of the resurrection. Those followers who were once so afraid that they deserted Jesus, now they're courageously proclaiming this news, risking their lives to tell the entire world that Jesus was indeed alive. Their bold and courageous behaviour doesn't make sense unless they knew with absolute certainty that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Sixthly, If you examine the growth and the development of the the Christian church, even to this day, that indeed confirms the resurrection. Peter's first uh, sermon, uneducated fisherman as he was, stirred people to receive this Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. We read at the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 41, that day there were about 3,000 added to their number. Today there are hundreds of millions of people who would testify to believing Jesus is alive. I know because of the difference he's made in me. And seventhly, that's the powerful witness for me as well. The testimony, the story after story after story of countless millions of people who would say their lives have been transformed down through the centuries as a result of this Jesus being alive. That surely is the most conclusive proof 
of all, the power of a changed life. None of us, when we've experienced that reality, can then deny what we know to be true. We're going to pause now to sing a song. You can do that if you like as well. There'll be a little icon of, of an eye coming up in the top corner or you can scroll down on this home page. You can pause me. You may well want to do that uh, just now. We're going to sing a song that's called Because He Lives, I Can, Fe- I can, I can uh, Face Tomorrow. Why is that? Well, another of the lines in the song says, because he lives, all fear is gone. Think about the fear that you and others are feeling right now. This is a great song that we can know with certainty because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Wow, what a song. Well, this is one of my favourite parts of our time together because we are going over to our celebration uh, tin, which is great. I love this. You have not been indulging in too many Easter eggs. Uh, yet what we do is each week there's an opportunity for you to send in your celebrations. Could be a birthday, could be something that's great that's occurred. Somebody said to me this from last week. Hope you get lots of celebrations so you can enjoy your chocolates. If you get comments about the number of Milky Ways you ate, just say it was like one bar, which then doesn't sound as much. I like that wisdom. So what are the celebrations? Well, it was Tabitha's birthday uh, last week. Now. James, who sent it in a little bit after we filmed, so we missed it on Sunday. Apologies, Tabitha, uh, for that. Uh, James was the guy who did the reading earlier, and he actually stated Tabitha was 41 last Sunday. So I'm guessing it's okay to actually uh, mention that. It was also Jane's 50th birthday on Monday. Uh, This is a banner that was made for her by the King family, Tom, Laura, Rupert, and Francis, in those brilliant rainbow hope colours as well. It's Thelma's birthday this week, so happy birthday to you, Thelma. And on Thursday, I better not forget, it's my own incredible mum's birthday on Thursday. She's going to be 82, love her loads, happy birthday, mum. Sorry I can't be with you. Celebrations is also about us sharing some of the good things that's going on our lives. Vicky's a part of the church here, and there was a particular day that she was feeling a little bit down, but something happened that then turned her head. This is what Vicky had to share with us. On Monday, I found it a bit of a tricky day. Um, lots of things were going on, and I asked Heavenly Father to give me direction, and I felt led to open my Bible and it opened at Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hears me. He listens to my prayers. He listens to me every time I call to him. I was filled with fear and anxiety. Then I called to the Lord. That gave me a huge amount of comfort and I hope it does you too. Amen. That's great. Thanks, Vicky. Now, you'll be aware that we've been giving you or giving the children an opportunity to share something by means of pictures of hope. How do the young people understand what hope might indeed look like? Well, it's fantastic here. We're going to let you know some of the pictures and some of the creations that people have been very busy uh, with. There's uh, Ethan, that's Rich's grandson uh, there, who's done that beautiful picture of a rainbow. Hazel, Joseph and Charlotte have all depicted amazing uh, scenes of hope that you can see, hopefully now up on your screen. Rupert and Francis have been busy with a whole Easter scene creation. Wow, look at that. And they're there, all smiles. Well done, Rupert and Francis. And look at Molly and Jack and how much that they've been busy with outside in the garden as well. Molly thought that turtles were a picture of hope. Wow, how creative is that? Because the, uh, because the environment, and therefore turtles, is benefiting a lot from the lockdown. Very clever is young Molly. Jack made a love tree. Mark apparently did the trunk. Well, Mark's a little bit over 12, but will be forgiven. It's great that they've been involved in that as a family. Jack did the picture 
of the rainbows and the animals in the NHS. And as a family, they then also planted seeds, hoping that they'll grow into beautiful flowers. Well, how about that? And there's some pictures put up by Benji. Three crosses and another three crosses there by his sister, Eliza. And then another picture done by Jack of the tomb and the stone being rolled away by the angel. And then one of Jemima, which depicts Jesus going up into heaven. That's the four children of George and Annika. Thinking of you from Anna. Uh, many of you will remember Anna when she was a part of the church here. And uh, she says, Dear Church, well, uh, I'm glad I bought my Easter cards early this year. I pray you're all well, supporting and encouraging each other in the Lord. I had a visit penciled in to stay with David Gloria in July, but we'll have to play that by ear. Praise God, I had a fab visit from Mum uh, before the virus hit the UK, uh, and she got home just before the flights were began to be cancelled. Uh, you're forever in my prayers. Loving Jesus, Anna Redmond. She's always got such amazingly neat uh, writing. And on the other side, says with love uh, and prayers with prayers and thoughts of you at Easter and there's a verse that she's written in from the book of Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15 in repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength thank you so much Anna talk about new life this was somebody who experienced that big time brilliant And one other celebration is a new birth. When we think about new life at Easter, what a fantastic celebration this is that we've saved for Easter Sunday. Samuel and Shelley used to be with us until they moved away. Uh, Their first child, Shekinah Louise, was born on Tuesday the 31st of March. Well, celebration chocolate to one and all would be great. Here's our celebration chocolates. But instead of that, because I did all of that last week, it is, of course, Easter week. So I thought maybe, just maybe, there could even be one of these. But somebody once, uh, well, somebody said to me when I mentioned that, if you were to have a whole Easter egg, that would just be greedy. Well, I took aboard what they said. So I've got two. I'm going to have both of these after lunch. Fantastic, those pictures of hope, wasn't it, that the kids uh, have produced. And whether or not they've had some parental help with some of the uh, outside stuff, who knows. But thank you ever so much for all of you who've been involved in giving us a sense of hope as well this Easter. Continuing back, I've mentioned about if this Jesus truly did come back to life. Well, there's there's kind of like some hope that we can have as a result of that. What does that mean for the likes of you and me? Well, because of Jesus coming back to life, there is and can be hope. Here's why. I want to give you ten reasons, very, very briefly. Firstly, because it means that death is not the end. Fact. Secondly, it means there can be hope for something indeed after death. Thirdly, it means that the Bible can indeed be seen as being trustworthy. Fourthly, it means our lives can now have a purpose because this life is not all there is. Fifthly, we can know that this Jesus is who indeed he claimed to be. Sixthly, we can know that he must have been God. Who else could have come back from the grave but the son of God himself? Seventhly, we can have reason to believe that he is still alive right now. Eighthly, we can therefore have reason to believe that he's interested in the likes of you and me right now. That's incredibly comforting. Ninthly, we should live, each of us, in the light of eternity, not just for today. And tenthly, we need to make a response to him. Each of us, really. Was he some sort of liar? Was he some sort of lunatic? Or was he and is he who he claimed to be? Lord, Saviour. The benefits of all of those ten that I've mentioned are open to all. But it's only those who accept that invitation who are going to benefit from the benefits, if you like.
Now, as well as all of that, the gospel accounts speak into our lives in the here and now. I want to mention just uh, three things very, very briefly. First thing is this. When we place our faith in what Jesus uh, did and we act on what he says, well, what happens? Well, the angel reminded the women what Jesus has done, just as he said. They hadn't really heard it or taken it in at the time. But if Jesus said he was going to die and then be raised to life on the third day, a son of God, well, then guess what he did? He did exactly what it said on the tin, quote the Ron Seal advert. Secondly, well, followers of Jesus then have got a story to tell. What's yours? Maybe you know somebody else who's a Christian. Ask them what their story is. This Jesus that you say you believe in, what's he done for you? Why do you believe it? If you're not a Christian today, you can be. Well, but I don't believe it. Then how do you respond or react to the stories of others who do believe and would say they've got a story to tell? That he's alive within them. That he's made such a difference and impact in their lives. They too must either be deluded or they're making up porkies, telling lies, or they're telling the truth. A bit like who Jesus is. Takes a lot of faith, I think, to conclude that all the millions of people who would claim to have a story to tell that Jesus has changed their lives are all wrong. Simply because it's outside of our own experience. Our invitation to you is that you might wish to experience this truth for yourself. This God is only a prayer away. If you let go of maybe a bit of pride and welcome him in. Thirdly and finally, God wants you, me, us to know his peace this Easter. The peace that we read about at the end of John's gospel in chapter 20. Jesus said, peace be with you. Now that was a typical greeting in his day, a bit like we might say, oh, how are you doing, all right? But it carries far more here when he said it. The disciples at the time, they're absolutely terrified. They're confused. They're angry. They're without purpose. Does that ring a bell with some of the emotions that increasingly we're feeling as that death toll goes up and up and up? They've got so many questions. They're lacking in direction. It's into that world that Jesus comes to where they are and says, peace be with you. He says it in Luke chapter 24 as well, verse 36. Maybe this is what God wants to say to you amidst all your feeling right now. As we pause, and you may wish to pause, not just in pushing that uh, icon or uh, in pausing me, but maybe pause in your own self inwardly to reflect and think afresh about what this God may well want to say to you. And to help us reflect, we're going to sing a song that's called In Christ Alone. Take to heart the incredibly powerful lyrics of this song, of the Jesus that died, but on the flip side, the one who then came back to life. If an invisible virus can shake the world, then the invisible supreme power can save the world too. Sent in by Robin Atwater. I love that clip, that picture. If an invisible virus can shake the world then the invisible supreme power can save the world too. Hopefully you've got a clearer insight as to who that supreme power really is. Now, whether it's coronavirus or anything else, with God, we believe that there is always hope. But what we do with that hope and how do we then respond? Well, that's a matter for ourselves to think about and to consider. Something has to come from within. And that's tough right now, especially if we feel so locked away and trapped and imprisoned. To this end, I hope this final clip will really inspire you as much as it did me. It's from a guy by the name of Viktor Frankl, survivor of four concentration camps. Take a look, listen hard and make your response as to how you might live and the reality of a greater and better day from tomorrow. The clip starts by saying if quarantine is driving you crazy, watch this. 
There's a guy who's a layabout. He's just lying in his bed, probably up until lunchtime, flicking through his phone. He's a tired, he's rubbing his eyes, he can't be bothered to get up. He puts on a t-shirt, looks out the window. His kitchen's a mess. He channel hops. He looks glum. He looks bored. He washes his face and looks in the mirror. Doesn't really go much on what he sees. What's the point? You can tell he's thinking. Bad news all the time. His phone rings. He sees it's his grandma. Oh, no. So he just switches it off. Don't want to talk to her. Then as he flicks through the internet, he came comes across this. Start off by making your bed. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. I've been a Navy SEAL for 36 years. Every morning, my instructors, who at the time were all Vietnam veterans, would show up in my barracks room, and the first thing they'd do was inspect my bed. He makes his the bed. The corners would be square, the covers would be pulled tight, the pillow centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot Something of the rack. Something clicks. It was a simple task, mundane at best, but every morning, we were required to make our bed to perfection. He clears up it seemed a little ridiculous his clothes that are on the floor. In light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors, tough, battle-hardened seals. But the wisdom of this simple act has been proven to me many times over. And he sets the task in and this kitchen. Today, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. Our struggles in this world are similar. And the lessons to overcome those struggles and to move forward, changing ourselves and changing the world around us, will apply equally to all. He shaves and has a shower. It will test you to your very core. It will be painful. It will be discouraging. At that darkest moment of the mission is the time you need to be calm. He gets up, gets dressed. strength must be brought to bear. Meditates. If you want to change He starts reading. You must be your very best in the darkest moments. But changing the world can happen anywhere and anyone can do it. If I have learned anything in my time traveling the world, it is the power of hope. The power of one person. One person can change the world. He now decides to call his grandma. Start each day with a task completed. Find someone to help you through life. Respect everyone. Know that life is not fair and that you will fail often. But if you step up when the times are the toughest, lift up the downtrodden and never, ever give up. If you do these things, the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. And what started here will indeed have changed the world for the better. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Victor Frankl. What an inspirational clip that was. Easter is about new life. A fresh start. Is there hope? Indeed, there is. Hope that you've entered into the reality of that for yourself. How might we experience and know that hope for the first time? Sometimes we use the analogy of it's as simple as ABC. A, there's something to admit. To admit that we're far from perfect. There's stuff that we've done wrong. God knows all about it, but he's looking for us to say sorry, to turn around, to start again. The B, there's something to believe. To believe that this Jesus gave of his life at Easter time, on what we call Good Friday, for you and for me. The perfect, giving his life for the imperfect. Being punished for everything that I did, that we did wrong and deserve to be punished for. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. But the gift of God is everlasting life. And that's a gift that he wants for you. The sea is probably the toughest thing of all. Because the sea is something for ourselves to commit. 
to commit our lives to God. If you want to know how you might know more about that, well, you can click further on our website. There's stuff there to do about being a part of the church, about what it means uh, to become and be, uh, and be a Christian, where you can read about that at your leisure. Maybe you've got a question or a comment on what you've heard or what you've seen today. We'd love to hear from you. Love all the feedback uh, that we've been getting. So thank you for those. Otherwise, apart from that, all that is left for me to say is to wish you all a very, very happy Easter. Now I'm off. Go for Easter eggs. And the scene ends with me saying thank you for joining us. So is there hope? Yes, always. That's me behind the windows of the church where we started. The beautiful picture of the daffodil that springs of hope eternal for us. Hope that that all resonated with you and that God bless you. Wish you all the very best and uh, trust that, um, that that peace that we spoke of is a peace that you're able to own for such a time as this. That in our own uh, dark world and in maybe our own individual dark world, we might know something of the beauty and the light of the one who came forth to speak hope into our very souls, hearts and minds. God bless.